sa Alabao. It's the What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the Watson on the Mayor Show with me, Al Robert. How's everyone doing? What's the show? Uh, yeah. Um, massive thanks to JMA Radio as always. If you listen to this for the first time, uh, go follow me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can also re listen old shows on Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, uh, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts. Um, yeah, so if you miss a show, go check them out on there. Yeah, how's everyone doing? Uh, what a mad weekend we just had with the UFC. What a crazy, crazy fucking fight night that was. Some really strange, strange results. Um, some crazy judging and some uh, real breakout comeback performances, to say the least. Um, yeah, we're going to get into that in a bit. On this week's show, um, I'm going to be talking about this weekend's fight night just gone. Um, headlined by uh, the return of TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen. Uh, mad fight, really mad fight. Um, we're going to talk about UFC 265 that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about this week in MMA history is going to be UFC on Fox, Lawler versus Brown, July 26, 2014. Amazing fight uh, between two absolute veterans, two of the best welterweights to ever do it. We're going to talk about that, that fight and that card. And yeah, basically the impact it had on me in the spot. So yeah, let's get into it though, man. Um, wow, what a what a fucking weird, weird fight night at the weekend. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great performances, a lot of crazy fights. Just gen- I mean, I I love every card. I watch pretty much ninety percent of them. This was just weird. It was that's such a strange card and strange results, strange fights. So. Let's start with the main event. Um, Corey Sandhagen taking on the returning bomb bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw. A lot of controversy coming from Dillashaw. Obviously, two-year suspension for the use of EPO with his fight against uh, Henry Cejudo. Um, The big question coming off this long layoff was ring rust, obviously. Is ring rust a factor? To some fighters, I believe it is. I really do. I think it's a, it's a it's all down to the fighter and how they react and come back from said uh, time off. Now, this fight was crazy. Um, I've seen the word robbery get thrown about a lot. Like, there's a lot of people throwing it out there saying it was a robbery. Sandhagen took the fight. I'm on the fence about it. I need to rewatch that fight. I watched that fight at like three o'clock in the morning when it was on live, so I was just taking it in as I seen it. I think I swayed towards Dillashaw taking the fight. I really did as the fight went on. I think he, he really got some uh, real momentum going. I think the grappling massively factored in uh, towards those later rounds. I, re- I need to rewatch the fight. I really do. I need to rewatch the fight and really come to a conclusion. But going off what I remember what, of watching it, when the, when the judges' scorecards came out, I, I pretty much agreed with it at the time. I really did. Uh, I thought I generally thought that Dillashaw stole the fight in the later rounds. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov made another really good point though. How we had it for Sandhagen, just on more swaying towards Sandhagen with damage. He had it three two to Sandhagen. That's one of those things where I think you do have to take it into account. You really do. I know on the overall counts, Sandhagen outstruck Dillashaw by a considerable amount of headshots. Those first couple of rounds were, were really rough for, for Dillashaw. Um, Sandhagen 
without a doubt, lit him up in that first and second round. I think it was the, the, the last... I think it was definitely the last couple of rounds, the last four and five. Definitely, I think T- TJ really did steal it. I really do. Um, but, as again, I have to rewatch the fight. I have to I have to really take it in. I've not had time to rewatch it since it aired on Saturday. But uh, what an incredible fight, though, man. What a hell of a comeback uh, from a two-year absence for Dillashaw. The one thing I didn't... I think it's been a strange couple of weeks, especially with like the likes of UFC Fight Pass have been. Um, they had a program on, like a, a you know a special program on about Dillashaw's comeback and all this. I thought that was a strange one for me. Um, I can't quite get made around why they would promote someone so guilty of a blatant violation and a blatant form of cheating. Like I, I, that was a strange one for me. It really was. Um, they very much promoted his comeback around, you know. On the other hand, don't get me wrong. I think Dillashaw was was man enough to admit that he cheated. He he openly said he cheated. The other side of it is he also said that none of his team had a clue he was taking that. That I'm not so sure if I buy, but it is what it is. But going back to my previous point, though, I think it's strange how the UFC massively promoted this guy this week when he's coming off a two-year suspension for cheating and doing steroids, let's be honest. Well, performance-enhancing drugs, shall we say. I think it's a real strange one. Uh, but, hey, if he's if he's clean and all that, Dillash, look, came back and fought arguably the number one contender in that division. Corey Sandhagen's a fucking killer. Like, he is a fucking amazing fighter. And he's looked damn good in his last couple of fights. In fact, he's looked good in every fight in the UFC, except for when he got literally steamrolled by Aljamain Sterling. Sterling just didn't fuck about with him. He literally just dived on him, took him down, took his back, choked him out. It was just a perfect get the job done, get the fuck out of there situation. Don't strike with him. You know what I mean? Um, Coming into this fight, I knew knew Dillashaw had to implement grappling to get the better of him. Sandhagen might be the best striker in that division. He actually might be. The stand-up, straight-up stand-up, I don't think many people want to fuck with Corey Sandhagen. They really don't. You look at his knockouts of uh, Marlon Marais and Frankie Edgar in his last couple of fights, Jesus, like you do not want to stand and fuck about with him. So either way, um, yeah, uh, I I think the grappling definitely played a massive factor in the judges uh, going with Dillashaw. I'm not mad at the decision. I think people are throwing out robbery there a little bit too, um, a little bit too uh, eccentrically. Uh, I don't know. Like I think I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was a very close fight that was edged out by grappling. That's how I see it. Um, I see Khabib's point with damage. Like those first couple of rounds, uh, Dillashaw got lit up quite a bit, he got pasted. I also think another aspect is, in those, as the fight went on, Dillashaw stalked him and pressured him a lot more and really controlled the octagon. That plays into it. I'm not mad at anyone saying Sandhagen won that fight. I'm really not mad at that. I think it, it's a 50-50. I'm just saying, like, I understand why Dillashaw won. I think, yeah. But it was a great fight, man. Absolutely great fight. Hell of a comeback uh, fight for Dillashaw. I think that's, that's a ballsy move. Um, the question is now, what next? Um, it's a no-brainer for me. I think, look, TJ, former champion, you know, stripped of the belt uh, when he got banned for two years. I think we do Dillashaw versus the winner of Petri Yan and Algernon Sterling. I'll be honest now, I, you've got Algernon Sterling there as the champion, you've got Petri Yan. I don't even think them two are the best, the two best bantamweights in this division. I really don't. I think they've got a good opening to, you know, prove themselves in this title fight. I don't think they're the best two bantamweights in that division. I really don't. Uh, I think it's quite a simple one for me. TJ Dillashaw fights the winner of that. And Sandhagen fights Rob Font. Or, yeah, I think that's, that's it's a no-brainer for me, that. It really is. Um, Sandhagen versus Rob Font. Winner of that gets catapulted back into contention. Um, Rob Font's pretty much knocking on the door for a title shot. He's looked fucking unreal. Really, really fucking good in his, his hand, last handful of fights. He's uh, destruction of Marlon Moraes. He's 
just boxing masterpiece he put on Cody Garbrandt. Um, Dillashaw, let's give him the title shot. I think he's earned it by beating Sandhagen in a close fight. Um, personally, TJ turns up 100% and good to go. I think he beats Petrian or he beats Aljo. I really do and reclaims that belt. Then I think you do Sandhagen or Rob Font to face a winner of that. I really do. But, yeah, it's it's such a good division at the moment, Bantamweight. It really is. Like, the Bantamweight division has just turned into this absolute cauldron of killers in every, in every fucking respect. I don't really... Like when you look at um, that top ten of bantamweight, there's not a there's not a fucking low end fighter in there. It is a scary division. Um, let's just have a look at that top ten, man. Like you've got Petri Yan, number one contender. Alderman Sterling is a champion. You got Sandhagen, number two. These are unupdated, by the way. So you have got TJ in the mix again, obviously. So you've got Sandhagen two, Rob Von three, Aldo four, Garbrandt five. Marlon Marais, 6, Frankie Edgar, 7, Pedro Munoz, 8, Dominic Cruz, 9, Marab, Marab Delashvili, Delish, who's an absolute killer, Rafael Asuncao, Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Vera, uh, Kyla Phillips, Cody Stammen. Um, that is a fucking murderer's role, that top 10. Full of veterans, full of fucking hard fights for anyone. Obviously, you've got Aldo versus uh, Pedro Munoz coming up in the next couple of weeks at 265. Garbrandt apparently dropped into 125, which I think is a good move. Uh, Edgar's still in the mix there, probably on the verge of retirement, if we're being honest. Cruz is still in the mix. It's a fucking tough one. It really is. It's a very fucking tough division. It's interesting to see how that, uh, that plays out. But yeah, uh, we got some out of it, man. We really did. We really got something good out this weekend. I think it's sort of, although the clear direction for the division, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the rest of the card, though, was fucking crazy. Uh, the co-main, we had uh, absolute hype train and prospect Kyla Phillips versus uh, Rolian Piver. Uh, this was crazy. Kyla Phillips pretty much knocked this guy out like three times in the first round. That fight was literally on the cusp of getting ended at any second. Uh, Kyla Phillips, just not enough in the gas tank to do them three rounds. And Piva, absolute fucking one. How he wasn't knocked out in the first round at the end, I do not know. Second round, third round, just absolutely rallied and just swarmed Phillips for two rounds. Didn't give him breathing space and really pressured the shit out of him. It was a great fight. Absolutely fucking amazing fight. But it just shows that anyone gets beat on the right night by anyone. It really does. That's the best way I can describe it. Uh, Piver just putting it on him for two rounds. A great performance from Piver. Um, I know this guy was coming into this fight. Personally, it felt like a real sacrificial lamb situation where they were feeding that Piver lad to Kyla Phillips just to get you know, Kyla Phillips on the hype train. That's Kyla Phillips out the top 15 and Piver in by the look of it. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Just crazy result, really was. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I still think that Piver will struggle in that division. I really do, judging from what I've seen. Kyla Phillips lit that fucker up in that first round. Like, it was, it might have been a 10-8 round. It really might have been. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, yeah, Darren Elkins. You've got to fucking love Darren Elkins there. Darren the Damage Elkins is just a UFC mainstay. Has fought everyone at lightweight and featherweight. Is just an absolute... He's just a brute, man. The guy is savage. I've never known many fighters to make a career off taking... Hence the nickname, The Damage taking so much damage to wear out their opponent and pour it on them as they get tired. The guy's got great wrestling. He, he's got great, great submission escapes as shown in this last fight against Derek Minner. Derek Minner is a grappling machine from what I've seen, a real jiu-jitsu guy. And he had Darren Elkins in a handful of different guillotines, chokes, and could not get him and just blew himself out. Darren Elkins gets a heavy top position Moves from crucifix on and off, 
beats the fucking daylight out of him and hammer just hammers on him for minute a minute or so with the fight to go. Um, unreal. Well, not a fight, a minute with the round to go. Like first round, Derek Minner just blew his blew his wad. That's the best way I can say. It. He just blew himself out, and next thing you know, Darren Elkins just upped it and upped it, you know, and poured it on him. Got a heavy, heavy top position and just ground and pounded the shit through him. Darren Elkins is the boy, man. Like, look, is he the most skilled fighter in that division? Fuck no. Is he the toughest? He fucking might be. He is tough as nails. Like, hard as a coffin nail, as I like to say. He really is. Like, that guy can take damage and take abuse and still keep coming back. Like, you look at his uh, uh, his comeback win over, is it uh, Mektik Bekic? Bekic? Um, like, he took an absolute hammering for, like, two and probably almost three, three full rounds and then just came back at the last minute with just a bit of pressure and one nicely placed head kick and gets a TKO win. Like, Darren Elkins, you have to knock that guy out to stop him. You you can't TKO him. He will keep fucking coming. I remember watching him fight. I think it was Jeremy Stevens, and Jeremy Stevens put a pasting on him. And he could... He, Jeremy Stevens is a hard-hitting featherweight, and he could not finish Darren Elkins. The only person I could think that finished him in strikes was maybe Chad Mendes, I think, off the top of my head. That's off the top of my head. And probably, yeah, probably has lost other fights by strikes, but that's the main one when... Chad Mendes is a heavy-hitting dude at featherweight as well. But yeah, a lot of love for Darren Elkins, man. A uh, lot of love for him. Like, 37-year-old, 27-9 and record. Talked about retirement in his last fight. So I think it's a matter of he's just going to keep going till, if he keeps getting the wins. But yeah, throw him, throw him in the top 15 again. This, uh, this next fight, this was the one that I think this was the a true robbery of the night. Miranda Maverick versus Macy Barber. This was a strange move by the UFC. These two girls are both really big prospects coming through. Really big prospects. Both very, very good fighters. And it's a, it's a real strange one. Um, I thought it was really odd how they put these two girls against each other when they're both ranked 13 and 14. Uh, both, both are really good prospects. Both have got a bright future in the sport. And... Yeah, I thought it was a real, real strange move. But I had Miranda Maverick winning this fight. Easy two rounds to one, if not three. Um, and the judges gave to Macy Barber. I thought it was a real strange one. Really strange. Um, I had the first two rounds, Miranda Maverick, pretty clean. Third round, probably Macy Barber on pressure. Bit of cage work. Really poured it on her, like slow. She, I think Miranda Maverick did slow down that third round. Macy Barber upped again, pressured her. But yeah, I still don't. I still really don't think that. Yeah, I still don't think it was uh, Macy Barber's fight. I really don't. I think it was very much a, a bit of that was a robbery. I generally think the judges didn't have a fucking clue what they were on about. Um, yeah, like I say, I can't get my head around why the UFC would do that with two uh, up-and-coming prospects in that women's flyweight division. I really don't. I don't really get the uh, science behind it, but it is what it is. But, yeah. Um, Bantamweight opening fight of the main card was fucking mental. We've got uh, Randy Costa against Adrian Yanez. Yanez getting the second-round TKO after getting his absolute face jabbed off for the first round. Randy Costa has some of the best striking I've seen in a long time at Bantamweight. Yanez, no different. Yanez is a very fucking capable striker. He's had some amazing knockouts in his last couple of fights. But Randy Costa in this first round just looks so fucking good, man. Like, his head kicks come out of nowhere. His, his hands look crisp. His jab looked fucking phenomenal. Like, he jabbed Yanez's face off for an entire round. And then Yanez just started countering the jab with a jab. Literally, just every time Costa jabbed, Yanez jabbed back. And then you seen Costa start to slow down at the end of that first round. Second round starts, and Yanez just dogs him. Just marches him down, takes a shot to give a shot. And it's the thing with... It's a bit like Alderman Sterling when he fought Petrian. Like, Alderman Sterling, that first round, looked like a fucking whirlwind of striking. Just an absolute tornado of kicks 
punches, in and out, constant movement. Your cardio has to be through the fucking roof to maintain that amount of movement, footwork, and throwing offensive striking. Your cardio has to be through the fucking roof to maintain that for three to five rounds. It really does. Like, when you look at fighters who've weaponized cardio, the likes of Michael Bispin, the Diaz brothers, um, they can do that sort of style of just constantly moving, constantly moving forward, constantly throwing strikes. You have to be on another level to do that. And Randy Costa just looked like he just didn't quite, he didn't quite have that level in him, if you know what I mean. He just didn't. Um, that second round came and he just was not, he just wasn't there and wasn't wasn't able to do that same pace of constantly jab, 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 striking, striking, striking for an entire another round. And Yanez knew that. Yanez was just um, a lot more sensible with his output, let's put it that way. He really was. And I'm not saying, you know, he, 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 I'm not saying he let Randy Costa tee off on him in that first round. I think Costa was just the better striker in that round, but he was far more sensible about his output. And it showed that when he rallied in the second round and got a beautiful, the, the setup was amazing. He did a, two body shots into an uppercut, dropped him, and then just swarmed him with strikes. Amazing. Um, Adrian Yanez in Bantamweight, let's throw, him, let's throw him in there with some fucking top-notch competition, man. Randy Costa, up your cardio, you're laughing. Like that guy's, like I say, I'm loss on win or lose, that guy's first round of striking was phenomenal. It really was. It looked fucking amazing. Uh, very impressed by it. But um, yeah, on the whole of things though, great main card. Um, the the prelims prelims are fucking good as well. Very fucking good. Um, we had uh, Soriano versus Allen. Brandon Allen were just spamming, spamming body kicks the entire fight. And Soriano had no answer for it. He just kept taking it. Slowed down dramatically, and Brendan Allen, his striking in this fight looked greatly improved. A lot of gain in confidence as well. You could see, you could really see where his confidence came came from in this fight. He looked crisp with his striking and just kept going to that repetitive, repetitively going for that body shot kick, just beautifully. Any time he'd set up and he'd set it up beautifully, he'd throw the hands high, let Soriano ball up and defend, and then whack. Just slammed that fucking shit into the guy's ribs. Great decision win for Brendan Allen. It was good to see, man. Really good to see. We saw um, uh, Nasodin Imavov versus Ian Heinish. Uh, Nimavov, Imavov, sorry, getting the TKO, KO win. Um, yeah, hit Heinish with some heavy shots, finished on the ground. Uh, Ian Heinish is one of those guys that I think is a serious powerhouse for a round. I think he's a seriously scary guy for a round, but then just dramatically slows down in that second and third round. He really does. Uh, but he's a heavy-hitting, strong guy, but his leg kicks are working money in this fight, and then Imavov just stormed through it, stormed through the leg kicks, gets the KO, TKO. I'm very looking forward to watching Imavov fight again, man. Like He's he's a serious talent to be watching at middleweight. Um, maybe him versus Brandon Allen next. That would be a nice fight. Be happy with that. Uh, Mickey Gall, round one submission against Jordan Williams. Mickey Gall, <sighs> Mickey Gall, I think, is one of those kids who's like, I mean, I say a kid, he's like, you know, late 20s now, you know what I mean? Unbelievably talented at back take and rear naked choke. I like the guy. I actually like the guy. I think he's good. I really do. I think, is he a bit of an underachiever? 100%. Like, this kid came in with a golden ticket. Um, obviously, he's always going to be the guy who's fought CM Punk, isn't he? He's always going to have that over his head. He really is. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a mad one. Um, yeah, he had the golden ticket. He really did. Came in, made a big name for himself, smashing CM Punk to bits. And looked really good in some fights and didn't in others. Like, the Diego Sanchez fight, like, Diego Sanchez steamrolled him for, like, three rounds and just beat the shit through him. If not, TKO'd him, I believe. Um, bad weight cut, apparently, of Mickey Gall, but in this fight, Mickey Gall looked damn good. He's, his striking is there. I just don't know if he's got the confidence about it being there. Like, you see him throw stuff every so often where you're like, that's crisp, it's good. But I think it's just a matter of really pushing himself to use that. 
Um, he's a jiu-jitsu guy through and through. He really is. But um, beautiful, uh, beautiful rear naked choke, though. Really good. That's his go-to. That's I think most of his fights are from rear naked choke finishes. So it was good. Good performance by uh, Mickey Gall, to say the least, man. Um, we had uh, Julio Arce versus uh, Andre Yule. TKO, standing TKO. Um, landed some nasty shots on Yule and just swarmed him in the ref. Called it a day. I think it was fair enough, man. Like, Yule was, Yule was compromised severely the way he was wobbling around on his feet. It was it was a strong call. I don't think it was a bad call at all. Sejara uh, Eubanks, KO TKO over Elise Reed. I didn't see the fight. I seen the aftermath of Reed's fucking face and eye. It looked nasty. And opening fight was uh, Diana Dalbita versus Hannah Goldie. Dalbita getting the decision win. Didn't see that fight either, to be honest. But all in all, very good fight. Uh, very good card, I should say. A lot of crazy, just a lot of crazy finishes, crazy comebacks. Yeah, the sort of card you love to watch, man. Like, did this fight have a lot of uh, kill power? Uh, star power, I should say. Absolutely not. But either way, very fucking, very good card to watch. Very interesting. Uh, big takeaways. TJ versus winner of Petrian and Aljo Sterling. Not mad at it. I think it, let's make it happen. Like, it's a clear shout. Um, Corey Sandhagen versus Rob Font. Why not? I think that makes sense as well. Um, Piver with the comeback, of, one of the biggest comebacks of the year over Kyla Phillips by decision. I think Piver's going to struggle, man. That that chin is there to get cracked from what I've seen in that fight. So I'd, I'd be dubious about him diving up in, in the ranks. Kyla Phillips just needs to sort his cardio out. Um, Darren Elkins, the damage, does it again. Uh, just takes damage to give damage. A lot of love for Darren Elkins. Uh, Derek Minner needs to just think cardio and not blow himself out. Still a hell of a talented guy. Um, Miranda Maverick got fucking screwed by the judges. Messi Barber gets a very lucky decision. And Adrian Yanez, one of the... Again, great comeback for a second round knockout over Randy Costa. Randy Costa is still a guy to fucking watch, though. Seriously, keep an eye on that kid, man. He's he's a hell of a striking talent. So, yeah. On the whole of things, though, um, great card. Thoroughly enjoyed the card. A lot of craziness. Well worth a watch. If you, you haven't watched the Sandeg and Dillashaw fight, go watch it. Let me know what you think. Um, yeah, very interesting, man. Very interesting. Next subject is UFC 265. This this is a fucking hell of a card, man. The main card on this is just absolutely amazing. Um, so much to take from it. Uh, let's start, man. We got um, headlining. We got Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gann. This is a fucking. It's a bit of fuckery. This I'll say it now. Um, I'm not keen on this fight, but I'm happy with it. If you know what I mean, like I. It's one of those, could the UFC have done better? Without a fucking doubt, they should have. Why aren't we getting Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis? That's the fight. Full stop. Like, no two ways about it. That is the fight we want. That is the fight we need. Now, it's never as black and white as people know. It really isn't. Um, now, I know from what I've heard about Dana White speaking about this, it's a management issue. It's Francis Ngannou's management pushing for it. Um, it's a strange one, man. Like, apparently it is managerial problems, not so much the fighter himself. But we should have had Ngannou versus Lewis, full stop. That's the fight to make for me. Um, Cyril Gann is definitely in contention. Let's not get it twisted. Cyril Gann's a talent. He's a very, very good fighter. And he's looked fucking shit out in most of his fights. Yeah. Derek Lewis, though, 100% give that man a title shot. Fuck it. Throw the man a fucking title shot. Inverses and Garnu is a hell of a fight, man. Like, neither lad are really going to push for the takedown, either. Their first fight is fucking atrocious. It's one of the worst fights you'll ever watch. Both lads were very gun-shy. Both guys just didn't commit to fucking... Didn't commit to the violence. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, 
Cyril Gann has fought everyone and everyone they've put in front of him and looked damn good doing it. I think this is a simple fight, this. It's Cyril Gann. I just don't... I think Cyril Gann's so much of a technical striker. I can't see Derek Lewis managing to land one of those fucking clubbing right or left hands on him. But it's not like he's not done it before. Derek Lewis has made a career of taking a pasting and playing possum for two rounds and then unloading an absolute cannon of a hand and knocking another guy out. His knockout of Volkov is one of the best knockouts and best comebacks I've ever seen. Derek Lewis is the fucking boy, in my opinion. I fucking love Derek Lewis. Um, I just think Cyril Gans. This is the problem when you're just uh, when you're a technical brawler like Derek Lewis and a one bomb artist. Just depending on that one time, someone like Cyril Gann will make it a hard night for you. He's not going to be stupid enough to exchange with you. He's not going to be stupid enough to get in the pocket and try and, you know, test each other's chins. He's going to, in my opinion, it's going to be leg kicks, body kicks, and range. And, you know, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it doesn't take me to tell you all that. It's a no-brainer, let's be honest. Cyril Gann needs to move, be technical, kick the legs, kick the body. And just use combinations and get the fuck out of the way of those Texan one bombs. Simple as. Um, yeah. Do I want Derek Lewis to win? Fucking right, do I? I want Derek Lewis to get that interim fucking heavyweight title, then go on and fight in Ghanu. I'm happy with that. More than happy. I think that's a fucking good fight. So yeah, we've got that. That's a great fight, man. Look, I'm I'm a bit better that we aren't getting Lewis versus Ngannou. It is what it is. You just have to make do with what you get given. Women's Bantamweight co-main event. Again, this isn't really... I don't know. Who's left for Amanda Nunes? She's the female combat sports goat. I'm not saying she's the MMA. Not just the MMA female goat. She is combat sports. She has beat everyone worth talking about at Bantamweight and Featherweight. Everyone. And mercilessly disposed of them. She's not just chipping away at girls and getting five-round decisions. She's eliminating girls' consciousness. She's, you know, destroying chicks left, right, and center. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Juliana Pena. I really am. I think she's got a great wrestling pedigree, great grappling pedigree. The striking is just not there to take on Amanda Nunes, and I think she's going to realize that within a round. Do not get me wrong. She implements that grappling-heavy game right off the set, Tires Amanda Nunes out for like one, two rounds, then continues that game plan, there's a chance. I'm not saying there's not a chance. Juliana Pena is a very capable grappler. She's very good. Amanda Nunes is an absolute destroyer on the feet. That girl hits harder than any other girl in that division. The only girl that really matches her striking-wise is Chris Cyborg, and she went off to Bellator to crush cans. Amanda Nunes decapitated Cyborg in their fight. In this fight, Nunes, fuck, I'd, look, she she pressures Pena with the striking and sprawls and avoids those takedowns for one, two rounds. She's going to dismantle her, I think. But Julia Pena has, she has a skill set ready for the upset. She really does. If she can implement that wrestling and grappling to a high standard and really... Uh, basically, only only fucking hope in this match is just lay and pray the shit out of it. But let's not get it twisted. Amanda Nunes has wrestling, has jiu-jitsu, has judo. She really does. So don't think that like if Amanda Nunes doesn't want to, she can't take her down as well. So it's all down to who implements that grappling game, I think. Who uses it? Not implements it. Who uses the grappling game correctly? Amanda Nunes needs to sprawl and brawl. Sprawl and knock that chick out. Julian Pena needs to really enforce a heavy, top-heavy game and just make Nunes work and implement that. Do I think Juliana Pena makes that out of two rounds? No, I really don't. And I'm a fan of Pena. I just, Amanda Nunes is too much for every chick in that division and featherweight. So, yeah, it, that just is reality at the end of the day. Um, bantamweight. We have got one of the, This is an exciting fight, man. We've got one of my all-time favourites, one of the biggest legends in MMA, Jose Aldo, against one of the most exciting guys that does not get enough credit in Pedro Munoz. 
Pedro Munoz's last fight with Jimmy Rivera was an absolute all-time classic. Josie Aldo coming off a win against Marlon Vera, I believe. Again, great fight. Um, Josie Aldo is still to this day, in my opinion, a lethal fucking fighter. He really is. I, I still have a lot of time and a lot of love for Josie Aldo. He's one of my all-time favourite fighters. He always has been since WEC days. Pedro Munoz is exciting. He's a fucking brawler. He's tough as nails and he will go in there and exchange with anyone. Look at his knockout of Cody Garbrandt. Who wants to get in the pocket and start throwing, slinging bombs with Cody Garbrandt and come out a winner? No one else does that, really. Like, TJ did it in a very technical manner. TJ lit him up and... <sighs> TJ forced Garbrandt for the, to make the openings for TJ to get that knockout. Munoz just went in there and slung fucking heat with him for fucking around and just fucking clobbered him and knocked him out. Pedro Munoz is legit. He really fucking is. Um, this is a great fight, man. Again, I think it's just two guys who are going to win that go in there and kickbox the fuck out of each other. I'm very excited for it. Um, this next fight, welterweight, Michael Chiesa versus Vincente Luque is a... Oh, this is a tasty, tasty... Clash of styles. Uh, Vincente Luque, in my opinion, might be the most exciting guy at Welterweight to watch. The guy brawls, he fights like no else, and he fucking gets knockouts and submissions. The guy's exciting. Um, Michael Chiesa is a nightmare for anyone once he gets on top of them. That guy is an absolute blanket of jujitsu. He is a massive guy. How he ever fought lightweight, I will never fucking know. But this guy is a fucking mountain of a man for welterweight. He's a big guy, strong guy, great wrestling, great jiu-jitsu. And this is how this fight will go. Um, if Kiesa can really implement a heavy, heavy ground game and cage clinch, he may steal this fight. Vincente Luque will make this fight ugly from the get-go. He will go in there, he will get punched, he will punch, he will kick, he will knee. He will fucking do everything he can to cause beautiful violence upon your body and at the same time does not mind taking it it's a great fight man absolutely fucking great fight um interesting it really is i think whoever wins this as well gets catapulted right into contention in every way it really does just catapult both of them right up right up the ladder it really does you've got the winner of this could easily be fighting gilbert burns leon edwards Jorge Masvidal, yeah, it's the these two boys are going to get catapulted into that upper echelon of that division. I guarantee it. It's a very exciting fight, but for a fan and for both these men, it's going to catapult one of them right into the top fucking five, if not higher. Um, someone's getting a big, big fight after this fight. Uh, bantamweight opener for the main card: Song Yedong versus Casey Kenny. Great fight. Casey Kenny coming off a loss to Dominic Cruz. Uh, Song Yadong, I can't remember who his last fight was, but Song Yadong is a fucking killer striker. Casey Kenny, again, very, very fucking good fighter. Um, good striker. Quite well-rounded from what I remember. Um, I haven't watched loads of his fights. or I can't remember a lot of his fights, but yeah, it's, that's a good little fight for Bantamweight. Really good little fight for both those gents. Um, prelims. Got some very interesting fights on it as well. These are three just on the normal prelims. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill. I think it's a rematch from a few years ago. Uh, both these girls scrap. Tisha Torres on a bit of a losing streak. Angela Hill will fight anyone, anytime. Will take a fight on a day's notice if she wants, if she has to. A true fighter, Angela Hill is. And Tisha Torres is, is literally just a real fucking tornado of punches, but... Like I say, I believe she's on like a three or four fight loser streak off the top of my head. Lightweight, Bobby Green versus Rafael Fiziev. Fiziev? 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 I can't fucking say it. Yeah, Rafael Fiziev is a serious fucking Thai boxer. This guy is like trying to kick the fucking uh, Neo in the Matrix, man. It's fucking mad. The guy literally... He, he's a tough fight for anyone. He's knockout over um, shit. What's his name? He had a beautiful knockout over someone recently. Uh, Brazilian guy who's just coming off a win. Ah, that's gonna break my head. How, how, how can I not? Ah, bugger it. 
Uh, but he's fighting Bobby Green. Bobby Green's a, a slick boxer. Loves that sort of Philly Shell style boxing. Very unorthodox for MMA. Um, yeah, really interesting fight, man. It's very much boxer versus kickboxer in this fight. It's a very interesting fight. Um, yeah, I think it's fun. Real fun fight. And then you got light heavyweight, Ed Herman. Absolute MMA and UFC veteran. has been around forever. Versus Alonzo Menfield. Again, interesting light heavyweight fight. Very interesting. Then we've got a load of fights on the early pre's as well. So, yeah, man, this whole card, it's set up to be a fucking banger. It really is. Absolute banger of a card. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm disappointed that it's not Nganu fighting Lewis or even Cyril Gann. Um, Amanda Nunes, who she got left in that division. Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena is only coming off of one win. She's literally, I think, like win-loss win, which is a bit of a strange one, especially in her last fight. It wasn't exactly one-sided. It was very close against Sarah McMahon. Uh, Aldo versus Munoz is going to be a fucking banger. Kiesa versus Luke here, again, banger. Catapult someone into contention. Very, very fucking interesting card, man. There's a lot to take from it. A real lot to take from it. Um, Yeah, awesome, man. Absolutely awesome card. Cannot wait for the next couple of weeks for that one. This is the last bit of the show. It's probably, I love doing this bit. I really do. I can't express it enough how much I enjoy this bit of the show. Um, this week in MMA history. This week's event is a little one, but a good one. UFC on Fox. Robbie Lawler versus Matt Brown. July 26th, 2014. It breaks my head that this is seven years ago now, this fight. Um, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, this is one of those fights that, like, it's just one of those dream fights at the time where you wanted to see both guys just go at it. I mean, at the time, I think Matt Brown was on a seven-fight win streak or something like that. Some absolute insanity like that. Um, coming into this fight, though, I'm, I'm pretty sure, off the top of my head, I'm going to double-check it. Yeah. We had, um, yeah, um, Matt Brown had an up and down career building up to this streak. Um, he came off the Ultimate Fighter Season 7, um, knocking out Matt Arroyo at the final. He then went on to fight Dong Young Kim, lost a decision, was just out grappled. Easy as. Loses a submission to, sorry, wins by submission against Ryan Thomas, beats Pete Sell by TKO, beats James Wilkes by TKO, then proceeds to go on a three fight losing streak. All submissions against two or three, two out of three of these guys are legit jujitsu guys, in my opinion. At the time, especially Ricardo Almeida is an unbelievably good jujitsu guy. Um, he's actually coach for Mark Henry's camp out in America with the likes of Edson Barboza, Eddie, uh, Frankie Edgar, um, Marlon Morais. He's their jujitsu coach, so he's legit. Um, so he loses rear naked choke to Ricardo Almeida. Uh, comes back, fights Chris Lydell, one of my all-time favourites. Uh, loses by inverted triangle choke, straight arm bar slash Kimura setup. Beautiful submission. Loses that. Loses to Brian Foster by guillotine. He then comes back, beats John Howard by decision. Then loses to Seth Basinski by submission, guillotine choke. So it's an up-and-down career. Then something changes with Matt Brown, and he just starts annihilating people you hear the excitement in my voice there annihilating people he destroys chris corp tko beats stephen thompson giving him his first loss by decision um beats louis ramos tko knees and punches mike swick with a beautiful ko uh right hand left hook i believe um beats jordan main by elbows mike Pyle by ko um, I believe that was a knee with strikes. Goes and has an absolute war with Eric Silva, destroying him in like the third round or something like that of their main event. Um, then goes into Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler building up to this fight was just looking like a man possessed. He really was. Um, he, he literally, Robbie Lawler for a long time uh, was literally very up and down. Um he returned, you know, he he had good runs in a lot of organisations, um, including the UFC when he was only, what, 20 years old. He goes off and fights in the likes of King of the Cage, 
uh, fights in the likes of um, Pride, uh, IFL, goes and fights in Elite XC. Then, yeah, goes into Pride, Strike Force. Uh, but yeah, his big run in Strike Force was lackluster to best. Um, losing to the likes of Jake Shields by submission. Um, lost to Renato Sobral by decision. Uh, Jacques Array, Tim Kennedy. Yeah, so it was very up and down, Lorenz Larkin. Don't get me wrong, he had some decent wins in the, that era as well, but he's very much a bit of a journeyman at this point. He then returns to the UFC and fights Josh Koscheck. I remember coming into this fight at UFC 157 and seeing the return of Robbie Lawler against Josh Koscheck. Josh Koscheck at the time was a was a wrestling destroyer. He was just heavy-handed, not the best striker, but heavy-handed, but his wrestling was just his bread and butter. He wrestle-fucked and lay and prayed his way to a handful of victories. Going into this fight, I was like, right, Josh Koscheck's just going to lay and pray on Lawler for three rounds. Fucking great. And Lawler just had other fucking plans and beat the fuck through Josh Koscheck for the lift. Just TKO'd him on the ground. Um, yeah, and just beat him beat him down to the ref stopped it. Um, he then KOs Bobby Volkner with a beautiful head kick. Beats absolute prospect at the time, Rory McDonald, who was seen as the next big thing in that division by decision in a great fight. Um, then goes on to fight for the vacant welterweight title against Johnny Hendricks in a very close decision loss, lose the title. He then goes on and just destroys Jake Ellenberg with knees and punches, then runs into Matt Brown. So this fight at the time was just, it was the fight to make. It really was. It was the fight to make. It was two of the best strikers in the division, two absolute Goliaths, two brawlers, two destroyers. And it was the time to make this fight and it did not disappoint. It was a five round war, a very back and forth affair. I had Lola winning it. Don't get me wrong, but it was one of those fights where I think both both men ran into each other's equal, so to speak. And it did did the five rounds, just an absolute war, back and forth. And yeah, Robbie Lawler got the decision. Now Robbie Lawler would go on to after this fight to beat Johnny Hendricks and win the title. He'd then go and defend it against Roy McDonald and Carlos Carlos Condit before. Um, losing it to Tyron Woodley at UFC 201 back in 2016. Um, now, since then, um, since he's losing the decision, uh, sorry, losing by KO and losing the belt, he won a decision against Donald Cerrone, a very close fight. He then went on, he's then went on to lose against Rafael Dos Anjos, Ben Askren, Kobe Covert, and Neil Magny. Now, I know I talked about these losses last week, but that's four names with no shame. The Ben Askren one's obviously a controversial one. The other three are legit people in that division who you've got no shame losing to, especially by decision. None of them could fucking finish him. Um, Matt Brown, however, very similar. Um, lost his fight to Robbie Lawler, lost the decision to Johnny Hendricks, where Johnny Hendricks wrestled the daylights out of him. Comes back, beats Tim Means by guillotine, then runs into Damian Meyer, loses by submission in Brazil. Um, loses to Jake Ellenberger by body kick, which is a very unlucky scenario. Loses to Donald Cerrone by head kick, which I believe is like the first person to knock Mark Brown out. He then comes back and destroys Diego Sanchez with that elbow of death. Destroys Ben Saunders, again, elbows and punches. He then goes on to lose to Miguel Beza, who's a killer. Carlos Condit by decision, and then has just revamped his career with an absolute one-hitter quitter. Walk-off knockout with Diego Lima, one of the best knockouts I've seen this year. So both men have had, you know, lengthy careers even after this event, which is great to see. I know Lawler's fighting Nick Diaz. I talked about that next last week, which is an incredible fucking fight against two veterans. And Matt Brown could fight anyone. He will fight anyone. I don't think either one of these gentlemen has got that long left in their career. I really don't. But I do think there's still fun fights out there and fan-friendly fights that we can all get behind them for. But yeah, great event. Um, like I say, Lawler won, went on to fight for the title and won it. Um, Matt Brown went on and had a very back and forth career, but he's still knocking fuckers out of four-year-olds. So, gotta love both these guys. They're two of my favourites of all time. They really are. I say that about a lot of fighters. I don't give a fuck. I've got a hundred fighters who are my favourite of all time. Um, yeah, great fight. If you've not seen it, go check it out. 
The rest of that card as well was also a banner. It really was. We saw the return of Anthony Johnson after his um, long way away, long layoff of the UFC. Um, it was great to see him come back, knocking out Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira. A beautiful swarm knockout with an uppercut finish. Beautiful knockout. We saw featherweight Dennis Mimunez versus Clay Guida, which Dennis Mimunez submitted Clay Guida with a beautiful submission, Ray Naked Choke. Uh, Bobby Green, Josh Thompson went at it in a split decision loss to Josh Thompson and a win for Bobby Green. We saw future stars like Jorge Masvidal against Darren Kushak, Patrick Cummins, Kyle Kingsbury, Tim Means, who's still fighting to this day. We saw uh, Brian Ortega versus Mike De La Torre. I think that might have been Brian Ortega's um, debut in the UFC. He's going on to fight for a title, coach on the upper fighter at the moment, so it shows how far a lot of these fighters came. Um, we saw uh, people on the, the prelim card, like Gilbert Burns um, on Fight Pass. We saw Joanna Chinchenchek against Juliana Lima opening the card pretty much on the one of the first two cards on Fight Pass. That's how early this is. That's how early these fights were. So, yeah. Unbelievable, man. Like, great card. Um, just looking through the bonuses. So, you had fight of the night, Robbie Lawler, Matt Brown. Performances of the night were Anthony Johnson and Dennis Bermudez. So, yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy night of fights. It's definitely a card worth watching if you've never seen it before. Um, yeah. Go check it out, man. Great card. Great fights. Enjoy. So yeah, I would call it a day there for this week's show. Um, like I say, I hope you're all keeping okay. Look, lockdown has lifted in the UK. I'm loving it. Um, if this is the first time listening to the show, we preview the show on a Monday night at 11pm on jmaradio.co.uk. You can catch repeats of the show on Thursday at 1pm and 11pm on jmaradio.co.uk. Friday, Saturday, the shows get uploaded to Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Mixcloud. So please go and listen to them there if you missed the show. Um, follow me on Instagram. It's What It All About MMA um, or Al Roberts, whichever one. Um, I'm on like 600 and 670-odd followers on Instagram at the moment, which is fucking incredible considering I was on like 130 a month or so ago. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. Let's get some guests on soon. Uh, we are looking at somewhere to record podcasts at the moment. I'm looking into it. I'm just trying to sort it out. It's, you know, just a nice little place we can get people in. We are going to start vidcasting this year. We're going to start doing live shows on jmaradio.co.uk as well. So please tune in. Keep listening. Thank you so much for everyone who tunes in and listens. Thanks for everyone who follows me on social media. Um, thanks to JMA Radio for giving me this platform to do what I like doing. So yeah, guys, uh, look after yourselves, take care, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye-bye.